Hey everyone, you're listening to Cinema 5000. I am Malvery here to tell you about what movies I have been watching recently. We have hit the sort of midpoint of January, and uh, I, uh, I did get to the movies a couple times to discuss newer movies with you on this episode. Uh, and as I have previously mentioned, not sure how much of January and February to come there is as far as newer movies to watch because uh, it's uh, just not not the best time of year to go see a movie that is maybe getting its, you know, new release, I guess you could say. It's a dumping ground season for a lot of studios. Uh, but I will try to go to the movies when I can for things I do intend to see and hopefully enjoy. And we'll let you know what those movies are in the future. But this episode, we've got a number of movies to talk about, not just those newer films. Uh quite a variety of films, I should say. <laughs> um, for the count, we're at 5,048 films. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the time of year when I watch a lot of movies, and I have been averaging about a movie a day. Uh, it might even be a little more than that so far in January. Maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't. I'm not really going to look at that, because uh, there was a time when I would try to watch like a movie every single day, or try to get 365 movies in a year, like brand new movies to me to watch, and uh, that's just that's just hard. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Uh, but if you've got the time, you know, that's that's cool. I'm a little jealous. Uh, not for me. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> but I want to just get right into the movies I've seen and tell you what's what's going on with movies I've been watching and why. Uh, so the first movie, <laughs> uh, stay with me guys, it's called The Favor, The Watch and a Very Big Fish from 1991, directed by Ben Lewin. You might be asking yourself, Mallory, what the heck is that? Well, I have some friends, shout out to those people, those lovely people in a movie club that uh, is now called the Bob Hoskins Movie Club. So we've been watching movies that feature the actor Bob Hoskins and all his performances and all his parts. <laughs> and the, the tagline for this film is the catch of the day is fresh comedy. Hmm. A farce, Hoskin pl Hoskins plays a photographer who specializes in religious pictures who searches for a model for Jesus. He does a favor for a friend and finds himself doing a voice track for a porno film with Natasha Richardson. Hoskins finds his model for Jesus in Jeff Goldblum, and a romantic triangle begins in which Goldblum finds adoring crowds believing him to be Jesus, and then begins to believe it himself. Yeah, this is a ridiculous movie. <laughs> uh, I sadly wasn't a big fan of this. Um, it is a very certain kind of absurdist humor that you did get in the movies, especially British comedies, after like the release of A Fish Called Wanda a couple years before this. And as I mentioned, Bob Hoskins is in it, Jeff Goldblum, Natasha Richardson. Uh, I, did like, I did like Natasha Richardson in this. I like her in pretty much everything. And Jeff Goldblum isn't really bad. Bob Hoskins is okay. But uh, a lot of this movie is just so ridiculous that it's just a little difficult to get through. Um, I, I found it kind of derivative of another British comedy that I had seen uh, I want to say maybe about a year ago called The Tall Guy, which actually featured uh, Jeff Goldblum and Emma Thompson, but that was a way more coherent film, I will say. Uh, I would recommend The Tall Guy over this one. I don't know what to describe about this movie. It was just, um, it was just very odd and not in a way that I found quite enjoyable. I don't know. It's, it's weird to say... <laughs> It's, it's been like more than a week since I watched it too, so it's a little hard to describe it. But it is just ridiculousness in Bob Hoskins being goofy and 
Jeff Goldblum, Jesus in it up. Um, <laughs> I gave it two stars. Like, it's not terrible. It's just, it's one of those movies where the jokes don't quite land and it's, it's going for something, but the filmmaking and the scripting just isn't quite there. Um, and I know in our movie club, it was a little difficult to get this movie, like get a copy of it to watch. Um, and I think somebody did a transfer from a VHS. Yeah. But um, when I was looking at this movie on Letterboxd just now, I see that it's available on, on Hoopla. So if you have a Hoopla subscription through your library, you'll actually be able to watch this. Um, Hoopla, like Canopy, which I've mentioned before on this podcast, are really great services for finding all kinds of obscure films, new and old, um, from all around the world, and like maybe even more notable films that you might recognize. Um, but yeah, The Favor, The Watch, and The Very Big Fish. I regretfully do not have a lot to say about it, but maybe that's that's an okay thing. Maybe this is a movie where I don't describe it well, and then you go watch it and you enjoy it. <laughs> um, I gave it two stars, and as I says, from 1991, and directed by Ben Lewin. So moving on, a newer film, something very different. Uh, I watched this on uh, Hulu, uh, the new film from Claire Denis. Uh, it's called Stars at Noon. The tagline is a sumptuous tale of romance and espionage. In present-day Nicaragua, a headstrong American journalist and a mysterious English businessman strike up a romance as they become embroiled in a dangerous labyrinth of lies and conspiracies and are forced to try and escape the country. I gotta say, guys, I didn't care for this one. Um, I'm not a big Claire Denis fan. I, I see what she's going for in the films I've seen. I haven't seen very many of them, though, I'll say. Um, but uh, her filmmaking style is just not quite for me. I thought Margaret Qualley was kind of bad in this. And, uh, oh boy, uh, Joe Alwyn, um, at times I was, like, trying to really buy him <laughs> as a business guy, but I just found him to be a little silly. Like, both of these people were miscast in these roles. I get it. You want to have, like, young, hot talent in a movie like this because then it guarantees it gets made and then it has something, you know, going for it, not just a story. But um, I just found these two not believable in their roles. And then, like, Benny Safdie shows up at one point. What? I, uh this was this was a big miss for me um the story about the political conflict going on in nicaragua wasn't i think portrayed very well either it's like it didn't want that to be the most important and interesting part of the story it more so wanted the the issues between these two characters to be what got you on board but because i didn't buy either of them and their parts this was just not for me i also rated this one two stars um, but this might be a movie where it, it plays differently for someone else and you might find uh, the sort of heat going on between the two of the lead characters to be more enticing for you. I just, I didn't really buy it. It, it was it was kind of flat and dull. But uh, yeah, Stars at Noon, the 2022 film directed by Claire Denis, which I mentioned you can watch on Hulu. I think it's also available as like a digital rental out there because it did have like a theatrical limited release um, in certain theaters across the country. But yeah, stars at noon. Moving on. Uh, this is probably the thing that you're listening to this podcast for. Uh, I went to my local cinema to watch the latest film directed by Gerard Johnstone called Megan or M3GAN 2022. This is a Blumhouse film. <laughs> um, the tagline is, she's more than a toy. 
She's family. <laughs> a brilliant toy company, Roboticist, uses artificial intelligence to develop Megan, a lifelike doll programmed to emotionally bond with her newly orphaned niece. But when the doll's programming works too well, she becomes overprotected of her, overprotective of her new friend with terrifying results. Uh, I don't know about terrifying. Um, <laughs> a lot of people probably were very excited to go see Megan, and it's PG-13, so a lot of views were able to go see it, and it made a decent amount of money last weekend. Um, but I just thought this was kind of dull and bland. Um, I will say it's not really a badly made movie, as far as its progression about the story of this young girl, Katie, who has lost her family and then moves in with her um, roboticist uh is I think it was her aunt, yeah, um, played by Allison Williams, who's uh, whose character's name is Gemma. Um, Gemma works at this like toy company, and she's she's actually already started building the what becomes Megan before her uh, niece moves in. So she has some ambition to make some kind of very special doll that will basically do more things than any toy should really ever do, which is like replace a family member. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's any way to really spoil Megan because this kind of movie does exactly what you think it's going to do and there are no surprises. Um, it's pretty clear that this movie was like rated R or at least had content that would make it rated R and then they made it PG-13, cutting out a couple death scenes and, you know, shots here and there that might be a little too graphic and maybe overdubbing some people's, uh, words that might have been curse words, um... Yeah, I actually wrote a full review of Megan on Letterboxd, if you want to go to my Letterboxd and read it. So that's L-E-T-T-L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com, and then M-M-M-A-L-L-O-R-Y at, yeah, that's the website. I, I link it in the um, profile for the show, and also I posted the link for the entire review on the Cinema 5K Twitter, so you can look at it there. I'm sorry to explain the URL on the podcast. It's not really very conducive now, is it? But um, yeah, I uh, I don't have a lot to say about Megan because it just is exactly what I thought it would do. Uh, I didn't really find the lines of what Megan would say to be, to be, you know, a little quirky or maybe not quirky, but like, you know, she's a bad doll girl, so she's going to say some lines like maybe she's not Chucky, you know, she doesn't have anything really exciting to say. And in general, um, what she does is so predictable. Like everything about this was just not, there's no surprises here. And be, I, I said it was dull, right? Um, where was the stuff that made Megan like more interesting? Where were the things about her flaws uh, as a doll and her ability to protect Katie that made her a little campy or ridiculous? It wasn't really ridiculous. It just felt like it just stayed in its lane and it wasn't exciting um yeah this didn't work for me I know it's working for a lot of other people out there some people I know are like posting memes and other things out there about Megan but um yeah I just found this pretty forgettable I would rather watch like Child's Play again than watch Megan again and I know we're gonna get a Megan sequel I would hope that a Megan sequel would have a lot more fun with Megan too um because this made me also think of like the orphan films with Esther and those movies are fun. They know how ridiculous it is that this young child has the ability to kill and why they're doing it. Uh, but Megan was just not, not it. Like I gave it two and a half. Like it's not, 
it's not really a bad movie. It's just a movie that, because there are other films out there uh, that have similar kind of things going on, that it didn't do the things that maybe a film in that kind of set, the story, is, is there a is there a killer doll genre? Maybe. Yes. Um, just didn't, Megan didn't have the goods. Megan, come on, get with it. You know, it's 2023. You know, if you're going to be a killer doll, you gotta, you gotta be a little more fun with it. But, uh, <laughs> uh Megan from 2022 directed by Gerard Johnston, um, or Johnstone rather, but yeah, not, Megan's not for me. I'm sorry, girl, go back on the shelf. <laughs> um, yeah. So, a very very different film uh i i had wanted to see this movie called variety from 1983 directed by betty gordon um i had seen it i think i had seen it available on canopy and then criterion channel and it wasn't on criterion channel and then it was back on criterion channel um criterion channel if you're not familiar has a lot of art films a lot of foreign films and then some more recent independent films too like a lot of really interesting films that you just don't hear about every day and if you're familiar with the Criterion Collection, that's the, you know, streaming channel that goes along with the Criterion uh, idea of what they consider to be great cinema. So variety was something that had disappeared. And if you know how Criterion Channel works, sometimes something goes away and then it comes back the next month or maybe a couple months later. But a variety uh, has this like seedy angle of a storytelling of about New York City that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, there's no tagline, but the summary is a repressed young woman becomes obsessed with pornography and the mysterious rich patron of the Times Square porn theater where she works selling tickets. This isn't necessarily a graphic movie, but it's sort of the story of this one woman as she just sort of ventures through the night and follows this man around. Um, it's, it's really, it's really stripped down, really, uh... I'm not going to say cheaply made. I don't think that's the right word to say. Um, it's the kind of filmmaking where you know that the people making this movie were going to have not a lot of resources, but made the most of what they could with the scenery, with the setting, with the pacing. Because, yeah, when it comes to bare bones filmmaking like this, and you've got the city of New York, you know, that is the best kind of combination you can have. You can have so many things going on and different ways that you frame the city, like the city of New York back in um, like the 70s and 80s, early 80s at least, was just not a safe place to be. It was very dangerous and um, not the New York that you know these days. Oh, no, no, no. Before the 90s, New York City was a very different place. And there were a lot of artists and communities of people that thrived because they could just be who they wanted to be in New York City and be creative. Um, but I, I really liked this film. I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I would definitely watch it again. Um, and I definitely want to watch some other movies by Betty Gordon because I, I look at this movie and it was like, wow, if I had stuck with it at film school, like maybe I could have made a movie like this. But probably not because cities these days are just too clean and too sharp. And this is like gritty, grungy kind of filmmaking that there's a little bit of unease, but also a lot of intrigue with the story that it's trying to tell. So I'm not going to say a lot about this one because it's it's a little difficult to s describe as far as what a, a story it actually is trying to say, but or has you know what it what it's about. But it is all atmosphere, all grunginess of New York City. Um. Yeah, I would definitely recommend Variety. I gave it three stars because it's not like, 
it's not some kind of grand masterpiece, but at the same time, it's like, that's a very affectionate three stars from me. Like, I would definitely recommend it, and I definitely think I will watch it again. Um, and a little shout out to Louis Guzman. He's in the movie. <laughs> Louis Guzman shows up, and he's in the movie very early, too. So I was like, oh my gosh, Louis Guzman. I didn't know he was in movies in the early 80s, so that was that was really cool. And um, yeah, you can find this on the Criterion channel, and it's also available on Canopy. There it is. I see it on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, so... If you're ever looking for a movie that I mentioned on the podcast, if you look it up on Letterboxd or go to JustWatch.com, you can find out where you can watch that movie online or do like a digital rental if you don't have the streaming service that it notes that you can subscribe to. Um, yeah, stuff like that is really helpful, JustWatch.com. And as I said, Letterboxd, if you're looking on a movie listing, it'll be down there. So the next film I watched was the 2022 release uh, directed by Nicholas Stoller called Bros bros you guys what's bros oh bros stars billy eichner and luke mcfarlane and the tagline is a romantic comedy that gives you all the feels two men with commitment problems attempt a relationship oh my goodness wackiness ensues in case you didn't know this movie is produced by judd apatow judd apatow's done a lot of mainstream comedies I'm not really a fan of most of them. I think they're a bit conventional and kind of boring, and they all give you the same kind of results. But for what Bros is, short and simple, I think Bros is successful at being a mainstream comedy. Though it is a mainstream comedy that is aiming for people like my mother. I don't know if movies like that should be doing that. Uh, yeah, because my mother didn't see this movie. But at the same time, it's definitely a film I could recommend. Though I will say right off the bat, as much as I liked... The relationship between Billy Eckner's character Bobby and Luke McFarlane as Aaron and the dynamics between these two people who are just learning to fall for each other. There's some things about this movie that aren't successful and I'm going to tell you about another movie that I did review on the podcast way earlier in 2022 that I would recommend over Bros. Even though I'm giving Bros three stars and I do recommend it, definitely seek out Fire Island which is on Hulu. That is a movie about uh, gay men who are also seeking romance and different kinds of things, um, on Fire Island over summer and is loosely based on Pride and Prejudice. And I think that's a little bit more successful as a film because I don't think it has some issues with its side characters and stories that are unsuccessful. I think it's just a better made movie. But, um, for what bros is, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. Uh, it's got appearances by people like Harvey Firestein and, uh, Bowen Yang. Uh, Bowen Yang is also in Fire Island. Some of their plots. Bowen Yang's awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Bros is a, it's got those conventional things that you expect in any mainstream comedy. Like I said, it's rated R. So, you know, they, 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 they're faithful to some things you would want to see in an R-rated movie, but they could have gone a little further. Frankly, I don't know what they were afraid of. Come on, guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Fire Island, I, I would recommend over bros, but you can also not do too bad with bros because, you know, it gave me the feels. I, at the end of the day, I thought the romance between the two main characters was successful. I liked it as conventional as it is, as it's even, even though it's got all that, <sighs> the kind of comedy stuff I just don't really care for on the side, but uh, it's, it's not bad. I watched this streaming on Peacock. Uh, you can watch it on Peacock as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I think, available as a digital rental, too. So if you missed it in the theaters, which I know most of you probably did, you can go ahead and watch Bros. Uh, the 2022 release directed by Nicholas Stoller. And moving on, uh, Letterboxd notes this as 2022. 
did this technically get a limited release right before the end of the year? Hmm, it might have. Well, guys, here we are. A Man Called Otto, the 2022 film directed by Mark Forster. Hmm, the tagline is, Fall in love with the grumpiest man in America. The story, st excuse me, the story of Otto Anderson, a grumpy widower who is very set in his ways. When a lively young family moves in next door, he meets his match in a quick-witted and very pregnant Marisol, leading to an unlikely friendship that will turn his world upside down. Okay, so in case you didn't know, A Man Called Otto is based on the story of A Man Called Ove, which is also a book and a movie. I've seen the movie A Man Called Ove, and I was not a big fan of this. Fan of that. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of this one either. Um, <laughs> Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. So I don't think he was badly cast in this movie. I just think the angle of what it went about with this story was completely wrong. It's very sitcom-y. It's very conventional. And yeah, I kind of did cry at the end of the movie. I thought it was good in the sense that at its core, it's about a man grappling with his life and what it is and what on earth he's doing in his community, if anything at all. Uh, <laughs> I did like Mariana Trevino as Marisol. I thought she was very fun, but outside of Tom Hanks and Mariana Trevino, I don't think this is a very good movie. I'm sorry. Um, it is so... Hmm, conventional, so cliche, so Hollywood. And I think because it's not very well made that the storyline of Otto's past feels at odds with the movie in front of us. Mm, it's, it's, it's way too safe and simple of a film to talk about the darkness of Otto's character, which I'm not going to spoil because this is a newer movie, you know, I'm just not going to do it. Um, I think, I think it would have, it would have benefited so much from being less Sakami and more deadpan, like really hard-edged deadpan. I don't know who could have done that. Um, when I saw the movie White Noise, like my immediate reaction was like, Alexander Payne should have made that movie. Alexander Payne should have made The Man Called Ove. Uh, adaptation of Man Called Otto instead of Mark Forster. Goodness, Mark Forster as a filmmaker. Do you guys know that Mark Forster directed the following movies? Uh, Monsters Ball, World War Z, Quantum of Solace, the Christopher Robin movie with Ewan McGregor, and Stranger Than Fiction, and now he's made A Man Called Otto. Like, what a varied, varied kind of background. And he is not no, no, no. He does not have the chops to do comedy. He does not have the chops to do sentimentality, at least in my perception. He's done some of their sentimental movies, but oh no. Um, this movie is not, not really good, but I'm going to go ahead and say it though. This movie fits in a certain kind of place as far as a conventional studio film. Is this a studio film? It feels like a studio film, like a like a movie release that's like, you know, this is this is our movie, this is us pushing it because Tom Hanks is in it. Tom Hanks doesn't do indie movies now, does he? Um, but it's it's a crowd pleaser, for better or worse, it is a crowd pleaser. And yeah, I was watching the movie and I got some chuckles here and there, and I enjoyed some of it. But at its core, I just don't think this is the right way to tell the story. 
and some parts of it just left me feeling kind of did, did that Ooh. not so great but um that's all i'm gonna say about a man called otto directed by mark forster the 2022 release that i guess is now getting released in 2023 I know it's expanding this weekend to more theaters because it was only playing at one theater near me. Uh, and now this weekend it's like playing everywhere, but it was on like 600 screens. I think it, I, I got to assume it's over 2000 screens this weekend opening. Uh, but this is the, oh gosh, it's PG-13. Uh, it's not, it's not a PG film. This is not a family film, but it's a film you could watch with older family members. So if you were going to take your parents or maybe your older siblings it's not for little children. It's not like that. No, 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 no. Um, there's some darkness in this. I'm not going to say what it is, though. I'm not going to spoil it. But A Man Called Otto, as I said, now in theaters, uh, which may or may not be for you. And the last film, I actually just watched this film. I wanted to close out with something newer as well. I, I don't want to, I don't want to close out with A Man Called Otto. And I made the mistake of picking this movie as the film that I would close out on. It's the 2022 film directed by Jessica M. Thompson called The Invitation. The tagline is, you are cordially invited to a nightmare, generations in the making. After the death of her mother, Evie is approached by an unknown cousin who invites her to a lavish wedding in the English countryside. Soon she realizes a gothic conspiracy is afoot and she must fight for survival as she uncovers twisted secrets in her family's history. I'm not going to spoil this movie because everybody's been watching it on Netflix, but um, Nathalie Emanuel, who you might recognize from some of the newer Fast and Furious movies, as well as Game of Thrones. Um, she is the only good thing about this movie. I think she's a good actress. I think she has a good screen presence. She's attractive. You'll want to see her do things. I don't want to see her in a movie like this ever again. Girl, do not do horror movies about that, like family family crap and horror and whatever this movie is like uh how do i say it like 75 percent set off and then <laughs> set up not set off um it's just about like we're getting somewhere we're going somewhere we don't know what's going to happen to evie why is her family like this why is she into this guy who is um gosh what was his name walter deville he's like the caretaker of this uh estate that is um where she has been invited to she's from new york she's gone to england come stay with us come to this wedding oh no guess what nothing is as it seems and it's pretty dark and yeah i'll say dark this movie you can't see most of it i don't know what's going on with filmmaking these days <laughs> um so yeah it's like there's dark shit going on in this estate and uh people are disappearing and um Evie is not sure what she's seeing, if it's real or not. She's being haunted. It looks like garbage and it looks like darkness and it it's 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 very it's terrible. This movie is terrible. I don't want to spoil the movie. <laughs> I should spoil the movie. But truly, what I'm describing is like everything that happens within the how long is this movie? This movie is 105 minutes. Everything I'm describing takes place in like the first 80 minutes of the movie. And then oh boy, the twist happens, and then you find out what's going to happen to Evie, and, uh, it's so disappointing, and it's not very well done. Oh no, oh no, The Invitation, 2022 release, directed by Jessica M. M. Thompson, which you can find on Netflix right now, I guess people have been watching it on Netflix, um, I was never going to see this in the theater, like, it did okay money, I guess, PG-13-ish horror, 
but I think the cut on Netflix has like some things added to it, like a little bit more cursing, uh, a little bit more violence. I don't, I just don't understand this movie. I, I've gotta assume like there was a decent script at some point and then the studio just chopped it up because they're like well we've got to have a pg-13 horror release that comes out in like october was it october or november when this came out i'm not really sure but what this is and what has been released is sadly just garbage the 2022 release the invitation directed by jessica m thompson and i mentioned nathalie emmanuel uh thomas doherty is in the film as walter deville Walter DeVille, the guy she falls for, who is, he's an odd looking fellow. And <laughs> uh, Hugh Skinner is also in it. Hugh Skinner, um, you might recognize from Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I believe that's where I've seen him before. I'm just going to double check. Yep, that's where I've seen him before. I don't understand his character. He's the one who sort of wrangles her on and it's all via DNA test. Oh boy. Guys, the invitation is not good. Um, but I, I wish I could have ended on a better note. <laughs> I should have planned better. I should have done my research, but I thought this was the movie to watch tonight. I thought I was going to enjoy it in some kind of campy way, but no, sadly, no. I just came out with like another really bad movie for my worst of the year list for 2022. But, um, that's the episode guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mallory. This has been Cinema 5000. Follow along on Twitter. Cinema 5k is the Twitter handle also on instagram cinema 5k and uh yeah i uh i hope you enjoyed this episode for better or worse <laughs> uh i hope to talk to you next time about much better films because i've got some more things to see soon um theater wise i'm really not sure what i'm going to be seeing next guys i don't think i'm going to see plane i just don't think i can do that to myself uh, but I know Puss in Boots is still in theaters, and I don't hate Puss in Boots. I remember liking the first film that was Puss in Boots, and Shrek is, Shrek is fine. Um, <laughs> I, I like the first Shrek film. I don't know about the sequels. I know I saw a couple of them. I don't remember which, but I will, uh, I will talk to you when I talk to you about other movies I have seen. So take care, be well, and watch good movies. Okay, bye.